Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Autism Stories. I'm your host, Doug Bletcher, the founder of Autism Personal Coach. Autistic people are the true experts of the autistic experience, and Autism Stories is where we interview autistic people to learn from their stories, experiences, and get their insights. If you would like to be notified about each episode of Autism Stories, we suggest you subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. We would also appreciate it if you could give us a positive rating and review, as it will help others to learn about autism stories. A couple of years ago, Kieran Rose and I had a wonderful conversation about masking here on Autism Stories. Kieran returns to continue that conversation with the release of his new book with Dr. Amy Pearson, Autistic Masking, Understanding Identity Management and the Role of Stigma. We hope you enjoy today's conversation. Kieran, welcome back to Autism Stories. Uh, It's been a couple of years, but I'm uh, thrilled and honored to have you return. It's a pleasure to be here, Doug. I had a great time last time and uh, a lot has happened. We were just talking just before, a lot has (laughs) happened in the space of time since we last had a conversation. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Two years, lots can change for sure. You know, when the last time we talked, Karen, our conversation on Autism Stories, we talked about masking. And you have co-written a book with Amy Pearson that just that came out to discuss this very subject of masking. So the book's called Autistic Masking, Understanding Identity Management and the Role of Stigma that I'm really excited to talk to you about. How do you see the role of stigma impacting autistic masking? They have a very, very unfortunate relationship. When you think about as autistic people, even when we're not identified as being autistic, usually people are picking up things from us which indicate that there's a difference within us. And quite often we can be treated negatively through that or invalidated through that. Sometimes it's completely unwitting, but sometimes it's purposeful uh, kind of invalidation and negative treatment and things. And so that kind of constant wave of being corrected, being pathologized. And if you think about it, how autistic people are kind of perceived through that difference is pathologized through things like how we think, how we play, how we communicate, how we move how we eat, how we sleep, how we do every aspect of our lives is kind of up for some kind of level of potential correction and invalidation. Stigma that comes from that combined with the kind of generalized stigma around autism around the world in terms of how it's perceived and how autistic people are treated, all of that constant bombardment, that's going to have an impact on you as you move through uh, different spaces and around different people and, and things like that. So that's really where that connection with masking comes from because masking is a a response to all of that and it's not a conscious response to that Uh, most of it actually is a kind of unconscious development but it effectively all of that kind of all those microaggressions and that accumulation of trauma and things causes like a fragmentation of our identity as we develop so it never develops in the way that we need it to and that then denies our authenticity and doesn't help us kind of ever get to a point where we can feel that we can be authentic. One really important value to me in my life, and maybe it's it's probably more than a value because it's like connected to my DNA, it seems like, is yeah. collaboration. 
And so I'm really wondering, I always want to hear about other people's collaborations. Hearing that you uh, co-wrote this book with uh, Amy Pearson, why did the two of you decide to collaborate with one another on this important book? Amy and I met about three or four years ago and very quickly it became clear that we had lots of shared interests and lots of shared passions around kind of the direction that autism research was going in and and the kind of the conversations around that a mask in particular and even more specifically the way that the kind of in academia the masking narrative has grown up with the much more much needed intense focus on autistic women and girls so those two narratives have kind of grown up together and that's become problematic in a way because then it's there's become a kind of a victim blaming thing for autistic women and girls we didn't see you because you were busy hiding from us not thinking about the fact that nobody was actually looking for them in the first place and so that's really kind of the central kind of core of of how we first established a friendship and then a working relationship and then we published, I think, as we probably spoke back in March 2021, it would have been around the time that Amy and I published a conceptual paper together talking about masking. And we felt really, really, the impact of that was enormous, but we felt really restricted by it because there was a word limit and we couldn't go into depth and detail about the things that we wanted to kind of talk about. So we knew that we wanted to do more with it, but we're busy people and we kind of put it to the back burner. And then our publisher came along and said, would you like to write a book about this? Because we think it will be really good. So we thought, okay, yeah, and then there's a deadline. So maybe we'll do that. And really it's just grown from there. And that deadline did need to be extended several times. So I'm very grateful to my publishers. <laughs> as, a, as someone's lurking in the background from the publishing team, I have to say that. But uh, but yeah, that, that kind of, that impetus of having a, a kind of deadline and someone asking us to do it really gave us the kick. And uh, it was not an easy process. It's a really, really difficult thing writing a book, especially when there's two of you and you're both busy and finding that time together. But it's been really, really worthwhile. Now that it's here, it's really become a kind of a labor of love. We're really glad that it's here. Now, understanding about how our autistic identities connect with other identities, I think is critical in improving the quality of our lives as adults. So from what I understand in your book, you take an intersectional lens to consider how autistic identity may interact with other aspects of selfhood. So what, what have you found when looking through that lens as it relates to masking? It's really, really been quite interesting because there's a limited kind of view of this within psychology. It's not really until you start moving into sociological kind of fields that actually there's more conversations about the intersection of different people's identities and uh, kind of so doing that has been amazing and eye-opening and, and knowing already that that intersection is a massive part of autistic experience and as part of our community we need to be better at recognizing the intersectionality of our community because it is a very white boy narrative and actually there's so many different domains that we need to be more aware of and through which people are marginalized. But what we kind of found was what we expected was that actually people who have different intersectional experiences or, or different layers of intersectionality. So for instance, it might be an autistic person who's black, or it might be an autistic person who's black and non-binary, or it might be an autistic person who's black and non-binary or queer. And you know, so those different levels and those different layers actually are reasons for more of that stigma and invalidation to come in it gives 
people are subjected to more stigma because of those different levels of intersectionality. So it's not just about this is an autistic person thing. Masking is something that multiple marginalized groups talk about and use different language around. And I think we probably talked about that on the previous podcast around kind of the black community might talk about passing. People from the LGBTQ community might talk about having the closet and things like that. They're all different masking narratives and actually recognizing that people are being invalidated on multiple aspects of who they are as human beings and recognizing then the impact of that on their identity and how they're maybe having to suppress in certain ways or project aspects of themselves that they don't really want to but feel like they have to because that's acceptable to other people that's a really kind of complicated and constantly moving narrative and our understanding of masking up until talking about this has been really really limited because it hasn't looked at that trauma aspect it hasn't looked at the identity aspect it's really been this superficial notion of oh look here's a social situation i'm going to pop a mask on be a different person and then at the end of it i'll take it off again so actually hopefully what we want from this is to encourage people to actually look at this in a much more deeper way and not be as superficial around this narrative now, masking's, I think, a very complex topic, and it's, you know, I think it's not always a good idea for someone to unmask, as there can be some, I think, very serious unintended consequences to that. So saying that, how possible is it for us to be our authentic selves in this current space and, and time? Yeah, it's a huge question, and it's really interesting how this, there has in the last few years been a really big narrative around kind of people taking off their masks or talking about taking off their masks and unmasking and and being more authentic but i think we have to consider firstly in order to be able to do that there's an enormous amount of privilege first of all not everybody can do that safely but also we have to think about actually what do they mean when they do when they're saying that they're unmasking or they're not masking anymore because actually what probably what they're doing is recognizing that there are aspects of things that maybe they've had a little element of choice for or maybe practice certain things and doing like people looking in the mirror and practicing scripts and stuff like that but actually so much of masking is it's like that iceberg you know the behavioral iceberg where everything's happening under the water and you only see the tip that's really what's happening with masking so even people who feel like they maybe are being more authentic or are able to be more authentic maybe aren't taking into account that there's there's years of trauma there and years of unconscious behaviors that have been ingrained in them that maybe they've left other things behind or they haven't developed certain things because they've been suppressed or not pressed in certain ways so a lot of this comes back to firstly safety that's the privilege aspect of that and um, not everybody is safe enough to be able to change their behavior or be more autistic or be more authentic or whatever that means for them because it's different for everyone but the second part of that as well is recognizing that many of the things that have happened to us and the thing, the actions that we take in response to that are completely out of our control. So having the focus on autistic people to say, what do you need to take the mask off? What do you need to not mask anymore? What can we do? Actually, we need to look at the environments that autistic people are being put in. We need to look at the education system. We need to look at society generally and how it treats people who are different in certain ways. We need to look at the medical model of disability and actually see the limitations of that. And we need to recognize that the responsibility to be more authentic shouldn't be on the person. It should be on the situations and the context that they find themselves in over which they're probably powerless to change it. 
So it's recognising those two aspects, that privilege aspect, but also it's a victim-blaming narrative. Again, we need to take the responsibility from the victims and place it firmly on everybody that's around that person. Actually, how do we make the world a slightly better place so that we do feel safer and other people feel safer as well? When I first learned about my autism and realized, like, I've been masking my whole life, <laughs> and I thought I was really good at it, but I've realized I'm not really that good at it. <laughs> People just didn't tell me I wasn't that good at it. But the question I asked then was, where does my masking end and I begin? And I've, I've been processing this recently, and I've, I think I've come to the conclusion, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, is learning about my autism, what my autism specifically means to me, has just naturally led to me unmasking. I mean, where do you think that connection in that education and kind of that acceptance of ourselves correlates with masking? I think it's fundamental, absolutely fundamental. I think, I mean, if you consider if you're someone who didn't recognize that you're autistic until later in life or you've had a significant period of time where you didn't know that you're autistic and then suddenly finding that out that's a really destabilizing thing first of all it can be positive in so many ways but also can be you know you need to look back and reframe what your life has been up to that point but what usually doesn't follow from that is understanding self-understanding it can take years to kind of figure out who i am and you know what my sensory needs are reframing your whole life and thinking about things through for a kind of trauma lens and stuff like that and and finding out what's good for you and what's not and also then needing the agency to make the changes so that those good things can happen and the less good things are mitigated or minimized that level of self-understanding and self-acceptance i think is absolutely paramount to getting to a point where naturally like you described you do become slightly more authentic you become more you you meet your needs better. You recognize your needs firstly. You might not even recognize them before then. So all of that kind of follows. And I think that's also wrapped up in connecting with other autistic people and kind of having those shared experiences and being able to have those discussions about or recognizing yourself in other people's experiences, all of those kind of things, which lots of autistic people are denied. So yeah, I think it's absolutely paramount though that, that people are supported to get that level of self-understanding in order to be able to, to have agency and autonomy and make decisions for themselves which benefit them. Getting back to your book, if we look back at your book, Autistic Masking, Understanding Identity Management and the Role of Stigma a few years from now, what do you hope that the books achieve, Kieran? I would hope that from an academic point of view, I would hope there's been, there would have been a a redirection of where the narrative around masking is going. I would hope that people would look at it in a much more deeper and constructive way rather than these superficial kind of social narratives that has only been really looked at so far. But from a, a kind of another aspect, and this is, a, this is a big hope, and hopefully it will be a part of this happening, our community is dying at a rate of knots. We have an enormously high suicide rate. Our other biggest killers are things like strokes and heart attacks. These are people living stressed lives, you know? We have a really, really early range of death. All of those things, there's massive barriers to healthcare, to education, to living a life that you want to live effectively. And 
so that's what I would hope this might have even just a tiny contribution to is that change is that this recognition the systems that we have around us and the systems are made of people but the world that we have around us is treating lots of different groups of people really negatively based on arbitrary social rules and arbitrary understandings of and minimal understanding of what being human is and I would hope that this contributes to some kind of change in that because our community doesn't deserve to be treated the way that it does. It needs to be supported and validated because there's so much contribution that can come from it and does come from it, but so much more that can come there and everybody has equal value at the end of the day or should, but unfortunately the world doesn't treat people with equal value. I think that's such an important point about our physical health because I think a lot of times people think, you know, there's this... There's this stereotype that masking is a choice or things like that. And just think, you know, thinking like that mentally how it's impacting us. But physically, when we mask and hold things in, the stress that that must do to our bodies. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as well, it's important to note here that the way that Amy and I talk about masking, because we look at it in a much more deeper contextual sense, this is something that all humans change their behavior slightly around different people and think in response to that but all humans change in response to stigma and stress and trauma as well so this isn't just about people who can speak who are able to suppress aspects of themselves or things like that this is something that all autistic people are experiencing whether that's non-speaking autistics whether that's autistics with physical disabilities and those people have been traditionally excluded from that narrative but when you think about what you just said in terms of kind of being in pain or physical responses to this and bodily responses to this, because of uh, the limited communication that people are given to, limited meaningful communication, actually this is often not communicated. So people who are non-speaking might be in pain because of that and all of those kind of things. And it, it's all being missed. There's a much bigger picture out there that we need to really dig into. Are you familiar, if I've never really looked into this, I haven't heard much about this, is there much research presently or in the past regarding masking and physical health? Not really. Most of it has been focused on mental health. I think there's papers that have and research that has focused on physical well-being of autistic people may have mentioned masking as a contributor to poor physical well-being, but nobody's ever actually really dug into that long before. So. If there's any researchers out there that would like to investigate that, then I would welcome them to because it's a big gap in the field. And uh, how can our listeners learn more about and purchase autistic masking, understanding identity management and the role of stigma? They can visit the publisher's website, who is uh, Pavilion, and they can also get it from Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Or if you go on my website, which is theautisticadvocate.com, we have a page dedicated to the book there that has all those links on it and things and a bit more information about the book as well. Well, I always leave our, our conversations, Kieran, uh, better off. So thanks so much for joining me today. It was, it was a wonderful time talking to you as always. It's a pleasure, Doug. Thank you so much. Thanks so much to Kieran for the conversation. To learn more about Kieran and his and Dr. Amy Pearson's new book, please check out the link in the podcast description of this episode. At Autism Personal Coach, our clients are the experts. Our coaches are the guides. The majority of supports for autistics are not helpful. 
They try to fix us, not support us. That's why many are confused when we say our clients are the experts, the experts of their lived experience. Our clients are the experts for what has worked for them and about the things they need and want in their lives. Our coaches first listen to our clients and then ask thoughtful questions, offer resources, and strategize with our clients so they can get what they need to thrive. Would you want a guide in your life to coach you to get the things you desire? If so, then visit AutismPersonalCoach.com for more information. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Autism Stories, and if you did, if you could tell a friend, foe, or anyone you know about it so they could have the same enjoyable and educational experience as you when listening to Autism Stories, it would be very much appreciated. Until next time, I'm Doug Bletcher of Autism Personal Coach. Talk to you then.